Alright, so this week we were served with episode 1 of season 8 of Game of Thrones and it was a bit of an underwhelming episode, but the NBA playoffs, luckily for us NBA fans, caught us a bunch of thrillers, but Luke Walton got a new job, who knew instantly as soon as he mutually left, parted ways with the Lakers, he's now a king. And this week we're also served with double comebacks, big ones, a big one from the Clippers and a big one from the Nuggets. OKC is against the wall against the Blazers. And did we just watch the best first round game ever with the Clippers versus the Warriors? I mean, we got to just start the podcast there, right, Sean? Like the Clippers versus the Warriors, that was incredible. 31 point comeback. And we know that that's we now know that's the largest playoff comeback win ever. But but Sean, who is now in second thanks to this L.A. Clipper playoff comeback? Right, Alan. So usually you stump me with these trivia questions, but surprise, surprise, I actually know the answer to this one because I looked up everything about this Clippers <laughs> win afterwards. I was so hyped about it. And the second in second place now is actually the Los Angeles Lakers coming back against the Seattle Supersonics um, after a deficit of 29 points back in 1989. Wow. That's like a poetic justice in a way where it's like, not only did are the Clippers owners of the greatest playoff comeback win, but they, they topped the Lakers for it. Just like the <laughs> right. same way they topped the Lakers to make the playoff this year. Oh, what a year for the LA Clippers right now. This Yeah, this is amazing right now. And this is a team that's traded away its best player twice in the last two years. <laughs> yeah, there's something magical going on there, man. Jerry West is amazing. Doc Rivers is amazing. Steve Ballmer's awesome. There, yeah, that that front office is probably one of the most coveted positions right now um, in the NBA. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams. I mean, both of these guys came will come off the bench and they carried <laughs> yeah. this comeback win. That's crazy to me. But I mean, it's no surprise that it came from them. I mean, the all-time six man of the year right now is Lou Williams for sure. But let's stay in LA with uh, Luke Walton and the Lakers, who mutually agreed to part ways. But instantly, Luke Walton is now announced as the new head coach of the Sacramento Kings with a brand new four-year contract there. So he's going to get paid from the from the Lakers and also from the Kings. This is a winner right here in Luke Walton before he even gets to coach a Kings game, I think. Yeah, this is a really interesting choice and really weird how it transpired, obviously, with Magic Johnson having just resigned. And then a few days later, you hear about Luke Walton also parting ways with the team. And it seems like he's been in talks with Vlade Divac way before this, if they're able to come to an agreement like this so soon. Right. And it just makes you wonder, like, what does Luke Walton really bring to the <laughs> table that Dave Yorger didn't? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I, I, Luke Walton, he, he knows his X's and knows, but is he really the best hiring option out there? I don't know about that. And so, yeah, they didn't even seem to have even interviewed anyone else. <laughs> they already knew. They're like, we want Luke Walton. He's our guy. And he hasn't really proven anything outside of coaching a ridiculous Golden State Warriors <laughs> team to like a 39-4 and four record. Right. Which, I mean, I could probably coach them to at least a 30 win, 30-14, and 14, like in the same span, you know? Yeah. So... I just, I don't even know, man. I, this could end up disastrous for them. You want to think that everything's on the up and up for this team after such a successful season, all things considered. But, man, I just, I cannot have faith in Luke Walton being the guy for them that's really going to turn things around. Yeah, this is definitely getting a, a move of patience. Like, I can see the angle here is like you take Luke Walton, who's had experience with the young Laker players and. He's a likable guy from players and from management as well. So I think the plan here is to have him grow with this young Sacramento squad. But I think if I had to pinpoint something, I think it's just, I think Luke Walton is also a very passive and at the same time, like I mentioned, likable guy. And I think Vladi yeah. Divac just doesn't want somebody who's going to challenge him. I think, I think he wants a <laughs> guy a like, power play. yeah, I think he wants a guy like Luke Walton who's just going to go roll with the punches here. Man, I don't know how, see how it's going to win you basketball games, though. That's just very questionable. I mean, we did talk about last week how Vlade Divac just seems like he's on a power trip right now. Right. Um, yeah, firing Dave Yeager and then 
bringing in this guy almost immediately after getting his contract extension, mm-hmm. seeming like he's just flexing his new newfound power. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's like you want to think he has the best interests of his team in mind, but he might just have the best interests of himself in mind more than that. Right. We'll see what what transpires from here. But for the most part, Sacramento seems like they got their guy. Like you said, they didn't. It's from as far as everybody knows, they didn't hold any interviews or really accept any applications for this <laughs> yeah, job. Nothing. <laughs> All right. Well, well, crazy. Yeah, but another guy off the table for the Lakers is David Griffin, who finalizes mm-hmm. a deal to become president of basketball operations for the Pelicans. And I mean, I felt like this was a guy that the Lakers should have tried to at least it brought in for an interview or. Um, at least speculated about. I mean, David Griffin did some good work with the Cavaliers. Sure, I mean, maybe it doesn't take much. Well, I guess I'll take that back. It does take something to win basketball games, even with LeBron James on your team, clearly after this year. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but, I mean, David Griffin is a pretty good signing for this Pelicans team. I mean, he was the Cavs GM, obviously, between 2014 and 2017, including being a part of that team in the 2016 championship that they won there. Um, I mean, he had the, I don't know if you want to call it skill or luck to have LeBron come in right when he became the permanent GM there and orchestrated that trade to give Wiggins to the Wolves for Kevin Love. Right. Um, so you, you could speculate either way if that's more skill or luck or whatever, but either way, he brought that team a championship and that's something the Pelicans really need is a guy that is willing to work with a superstar um, in that Anthony Davis is now that superstar, um, where it, whereas it was LeBron James before. And it seems like this guy has still has a little bit of hope that Anthony Davis is going to return. Said that he was in conversations with Anthony Davis's agent, Rich Paul, earlier this week, talking about how this could potentially still be a thing. And, I mean, I guess it just takes kind of that new voice in the franchise to still make that a reality for them like Anthony Davis could stay because for them that's really the only thing that's gonna save this franchise for them yeah and I gotta assume that um Rich Paul and David Griffin have some sort of a relationship from the days back in Cleveland um I gotta I I mean I gotta think that Rich Paul was in David Griffin's ear a couple times back in in Cleveland and (laughs) I mean because David Griffin made a fair fair amount of moves including the J.R. and Iman Shumpert deal um, re-signing Tristan Thompson and a lot of those clutch sport guys. And I mean, essentially also just, um, you know, taking that risk with Andrew Wing is to bring Kevin Love. So David Griffin did some stuff to help out to appease LeBron James. And I think some of that must have came, must have been relayed for, through Rich Paul. So I think maybe he, he doesn't mind working with David Griffin here. Maybe there is a slight bit of hope that he can make something happen and convince Anthony Davis to, to stay with the Pelicans. It's a yeah, long shot, th- but yeah. Do you think that is like? Do you think he actually has a shot, or is this all just hot air? It's gotta just. I mean, I don't think it's complete hot air. Like I said, I think there probably is a relationship, and I bet that was a big reason why David Griffin was brought in. Mm, um, yeah. But at the end, I I still think it's a long shot. Like I still, it's definitely <laughs> more likely that Anthony Davis is completely just out. I mean, there's only so much David Griffin can control. How disappointing would it be if Anthony Davis just ended up staying with the Pelicans? Like, this is something we've been looking forward to in this free agency period for a long time now, ever since the trade deadline. is like, where's Anthony Davis going to go? Is he going to go to the Lakers, Boston, somewhere else? I don't know. Then he just ends up staying with the Pelicans after all of that mess. Like, all, all that mess effectively did was dismantle the Lakers' chemistry. Yeah, it would be a horrible look for Rich Paul, I think, and for Anthony Davis. Um, especially if he stays and there is no changes roster-wise to the team. That would be a, yeah, that would be a horrible <laughs> look for both of those men. I, can't, I just can't think that Rich Paul will allow that to happen. Anthony Davis, I think he's got to be committed to this as well. Um, yeah, I can't yeah. see that happening. I, I, the only way I see that, which even then, I can't see anybody just giving low. Maybe somebody does give a low ball offer. I'm struggling right here. I'm struggling <laughs> to think. <laughs> yeah. what, you want to believe. You want to believe that David Griffin has some power here. I, I Part of me thinks that maybe he could pull off a miracle here. It's still, it's a long shot though. Long shot. I think more likely yeah. than not, I'm, 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 if I'm betting money, I'm betting that Anthony Davis is yeah. gone. And what what I keep coming back to is that this Pelicans team could be a contender 
it, they pro they proved it two seasons ago when they swept the Blazers, right? And they didn't even have to the, their full team then. Like Demarcus Cousins was hurt then also, so you just talk, always comes back to the injuries. Like could this team have done more? Yeah, I mean you look at what Portland is doing right now in the playoffs. You got to think that the Pelicans could at least be something like that. Or totally. I mean. You got you had Julius Randle, Miratek. You had a good foundation. You had good players there, and you had a top five player mm-hmm. on your team. That should be enough. Well, I mean, injuries have just played a, a huge part in this franchise for the last couple of years. And I, I mean, if I'm Anthony Davis, sure, there's a chance that maybe everybody comes back healthy and you can make a good run at it. But I think it's time to move on as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I just would love to see them run it back with a fresh training staff. Just fire out all the training staff, bring in a new one, see if that works out for you. <laughs> right. I mean, you you already lost Miratik. That's the problem there. But you have Randall. You have Alfred Payton. Randall Alfred Payton's mm-hmm. not bad. He's nice, man. Alfred Payton's nice. Oh, this is coming from you. What? I know. What a turnaround. Hey, ever, since, ever since he shaved his head, <laughs> I'm an Alfred Payton fan. That's all That's all that comes down to. Yeah, he's not bad. He just needs to stay on the floor. He's just – the injuries the last couple of years have really hurt him. Mm-hmm. But Yeah. But let's go to the playoffs here. Let's go to the Warriors and Clippers. We have a tight let's series now after that huge let's comeback go. win. I mean, I who saw this coming? I thought this – if there was a – Clear series that was going to be a sweep. It was this one. I mean, 538. <laughs> I mean, we broke it down last week or two weeks ago that they had the Warriors winning essentially at a at a at an odd greater than 99. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah, as close unreal. as 100% as you can possibly get. But yet here we are with the Warrior. I mean, the Clippers stealing one win on the backs of an incredible pick and roll performance from Lou Williams and Montres Harrell. I know. It's just absurd when you think about the circumstances. I mean, all the odds were against them. Game one went the Warriors' way in every way with a very convincing 121-104 win. It was. It just looked like it was almost like a warm-up for the Warriors. And through most of game two, it did too. But then, man, midway through that third quarter, they just they kept fighting, you know. And a lot of people at this point, I bet there was a lot of people in that Warriors arena that ended up leaving because the game was so boring. Oh yeah, yeah. And then like people definitely turned it off. Like multiple people that I texted afterwards had turned the game off. They did not even know I had turned that it that off. happened. You turned it <laughs> I off. I turned it off. Yeah, you you were just mocking me, telling me how easy of a sweep this is gonna be. I was asking but... when somebody when's the training staff gonna bring out the broomsticks? <laughs> yeah, who's t- who's bringing the dustpan? Uh, and I appreciate you jinxing it for the Warriors. <laughs> you know, you really, you really helped out there because ever once that moment hit, once you texted me that, everything happened to change. <laughs> it was almost, it was uncanny how it changed almost immediately after you texted yeah, me that. And I love the confidence you had on the text back. <laughs> yeah, I was like, bro, you, you take, yeah. Well, at first I was just like, we're just doing our job. We're just trying to get in their head. <laughs> But then I'm like, hmm, 19-point lead now? I don't know. <laughs> but even a 19-point, I mean, Portland. Even a 19. Yeah, yeah, Portland went up 19 and just easily put that game away on OKC. But, like, yeah, 19 <laughs> with you're close to the end of the third quarter. Like, that's that's a sign that games that you're pretty much going to win that game. I know, but I there, there was something in the air, man. Like, you could just tell the Warriors didn't care anymore. But the Clippers were fighting as if nothing, like, the score was tied, you know? And they just kept playing really hard. And you can see Pat Beverly out there, down 20 points, still getting real fired up <laughs> when a call goes his way. And it's just like, wow, like, this team really is not giving up. And then when you get to the end of the third quarter, they're only down 14 points. And you're like, wait. Like, they cut the lead in half in, like, six minutes. Yeah, that's a basketball this is, game. Yeah, this is unheard of. And then they were kind of teetering around that 14 to 18-point lead um, a lot through the, the first half of the fourth quarter. But then, man, Lou Williams just lost his mind. <laughs> Playing on an entire another level, ends the game with 36 points on 13 to 22 shooting. And... I don't remember correctly. I don't think he missed a single shot in the last five minutes of this game. It didn't look like it. I mean, he popped up for three. He shot a shot from the elbow. And then my probably my favorite shot the in the closing minutes there was he drove 
stopped pump fake Clay Thompson and just shot <laughs> yeah. this like this into a little baby fadeaway. Yeah, a little baby fadeaway from like ten feet out from the basket. <laughs> it was like it just seemed like he could shoot from anywhere he wanted. And just maintain the same shooting form through the whole thing. It, <laughs> right. it was really weird. It looked like somebody. It looked like a video game character in a way. But oh yeah, <laughs> I mean it was it was it was amazing. And the Warriors. I mean st- the Warriors didn't quite go just collapse. I mean they, it's not like they weren't fighting back. Like if you remember, Steph Curry hit an incredible three um, when yeah. the Clippers were only down one to put them back up four. And at that point, it seemed, okay, like, this is not happening. You know, like, the cu- yeah. like the effort from the Clippers was nice and all, but <laughs> here comes the Warriors. And after that shot, the timeout was called. I was like, this is this is it. It's it's done. But the Clippers slowly came back, and I think Montrezl Harrell went to the line. Um, Lou Williams hit another shot, and all of a sudden, uh, the Clippers were up one, and Klay Thompson missed that wide-open three at the top of the top of the three-point line in the middle. Um and it just yeah, wide giving, open, yeah, completely wide it, open, completely open. And it just gave this team a little bit more life. And as we know, the Pat Beverly effect on Kevin Durant, he fouled out. And Kevin Durant finished <laughs> this game with more turnovers than shot attempts with eight attempts and nine turnovers. And Crazy. this was just a different game from one half versus the second half. Uh, the Warriors had six turnovers in the first half and 16 in the second. Um, and this is against a team, the Clippers being who only ha- was ranked um, 22nd or 26th in the regular season in terms of forcing their opponent into turnovers, which at that average was 13 turnovers. So for them to really push this team to 22 total turnovers, Oof. what a performance from them. Really out-of-character performance, or maybe it's it's the newfound uh, Clipper spirit here. It is, I think it is, man. It, it, it's not out-of-character that they continued fighting this hard. Yeah. I mean, the, the win itself is out of character. Like, no <laughs> one expected that, especially in Oracle. Right. This is one of the last home games in Oracle Arena. You don't think these fans are going crazy. And even they gave up on the game. They they were ready to go home by the, that third quarter. And then this Clipper team just keeps fighting. Pat Beverly's acting like he's as good as Kevin Durant. <laughs> and it's getting in his head. He's even talking about it after the game. Like, they're, they're playing just this gimmick defense. And, you know, Pat Beverly, he's just getting in his head, getting all up in his grill. He's allowed to get away with a more, more like, hand-checking, too, because he's so much shorter than Kevin Durant. Right. It's really hard to tell. Like, if he was the same size as Kevin Durant, he definitely wouldn't be getting the calls that he's getting. But since he is, it just seems like Kevin Durant is bullying him, even though it's the other way around. Right. I mean, we were talking about it. I mean, I don't know the ex- I don't. I think Pac Beverly's, what, 6'3"? He's no, he's like six one. Six one. So we're talking yeah. we're talking almost a foot here. <laughs> almost a foot. <laughs> Durant difference. has on Patrick yeah. Beverly. This is crazy that this is even like thought of in terms in a coaching circle. Like put Pat Beverly on Durant or something. Um Pat Beverly is the one that actually insisted on guarding Kevin Durant. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean most of your effort <laughs> has to happen before Durant even can attempt a shot because once he once he takes a shot, he's shooting over you. Like there's no chance you're getting to that ball, um, right? But I also but want- the help defense has been big too. Right. Like it can't just just be Pat Beverly, obviously, or else Kevin Durant would just act like he got an open shot. But the help defense is always there, like looming in Kevin Durant's like peripheral vision. Mm-hmm. So it forces him into having to make decisions that are lackluster. And Pat Beverly is able to take advantage of honestly his small size and just like get it up all in his grill. Right, Shil Gilgis Alexander. Laundry Shamit, these young bloods just coming in here, giving Doc Rivers some solid minutes. I mean, Laundry Shamit hitting that clutch that three. three. Oh my god! I couldn't believe it was him. I thought, okay, light skin, that's got to be Gallinari. That's got to be Gallinari. That was, that was got to be Gala. Not that light, yeah. though. Not that light. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, man, when when I saw them double team Lou Williams on that play, he had to give it up to Shea, and Shea just looked kind of lost in the middle of the defense right there. I'm like, oh no, what's he going to do with this? And then Sham is just wide open there, and he makes that three. I'm just yelling, Sham it! Sham it! <laughs> I couldn't believe it, man. It was it was surreal. Yeah, that whole game was surreal. And I gotta give a shout out too to that combo of Lou and Montrez Harrell. Like Montrez Hill didn't mm-hmm. miss a single field goal <laughs> this yeah. night. Twenty five points and ten rebounds, going nine for nine. Like that pick and roll was incredible. The way they were running it uh, that second right. half of this game. But what I'm worried about is, 
I mean, the Warriors are going to come back hungry to just stop oh. these. Like, they're going to double-team Lou Williams every minute of this next game, I think. There is no <laughs> yeah. way they're letting this man roam yeah. as, as freely as he was this game, too. I mean, they were doing it in the last quarter, which freed up that Landry Shamit, uh clutch three. But I, I don't know, man. I think this might have been the one time they can they can do it. I don't know, man. Lou Williams, I mean, he was double teamed in that fourth quarter, but it didn't matter. Yeah. He is still not missing anything, and he's just so shifty, and his shot is so unorthodox. He just makes these weird, like, fading to the left jump shots. You're just like, I'm not going to guard that. It's a stupid <laughs> shot, but it ends up going in. Yeah, this. I, I don't know. And then, yeah, but you are right, though. Like, these other Lakers, like Shamit and Gallinari, are going to have to step up. Oh, because you they're mean gonna Clippers. Be you mean Clippers. Yeah. You said Lakers. Oh, did I? <laughs> I thought you said Lakers. Oh, man. Maybe you're thinking Lakers. Maybe. I thought I said Clippers. Oh, maybe you said Clippers. Who knows? Anyways, I mean, go, We're going to have to go back on. on the tape to see that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, no, these Clippers, like, they're they're going to have to step up. I mean, Shamit's going to have to keep being ice cold in his veins, you know? Yeah. Like, just these threes are going to be open for him because he's not going to get the attention. And Gallinari... I was kind of disappointed in Gallinari. I thought he'd be a little more of a presence in this game, but I think Kevin Durant guarding him has really affected him. Yeah, I mean, I got to think that the that's that's the main focal point for the Warriors' defense is Gallo. And that was surprising <laughs> this whole thing is the whole comeback really was not on the shoulders of Gallo. It was completely... All Trez and Lou. Yeah, that, it was just <laughs> though that two-man combo <laughs> going at it. It is deadly, man. Is that... It, they have to be the smoothest pick and roll machine in the NBA right now. Like it is absurd. That that fourth quarter, I think it was the best I've seen all season. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's pretty, that was a pretty incredible two man pick and roll game that they were running there between them two. Yeah. And on the flip side, we have to talk about DeMarcus cousins now because that that tear of his quad on that non-contact play four minutes into the game what do you even make of that? Was that something that was bound to happen? Or how did this even come to be? Because this is very reminiscent of him tearing his Achilles on the Pelicans. Yeah, my first, my gut feeling here is I just don't think he, maybe he came back too soon and he needed to build more strength there uh, before he was ready to really hit the court. It just seems like such a freak accident. Um, yeah. I got to think it's a result of just not having enough strength to play to play at the intensity he has been playing these last um this last month of NBA action like i think it was just like a ticking time bomb until something happened um and yeah. it just sucks it absolutely sucks he's he's got his one game playoff experience now but i'm sure he <laughs> he was expecting a lot more as everybody else was and now mm-hmm. he's on a different path he's in a different chapter of his life yet again um he's got another hill to climb He's got to wait until yeah. next year to get his his true playoff experience. If yeah, depending on which team he right. ends up on. But yeah, this is interesting because I mean, I don't think it's going to affect the outcome of the series. Although I still think it's going to go 6. <laughs> I still think it's going to go 6. I'm still sticking to that. Especially now, of course, <laughs> but I I think the them getting Bogut is a godsend. Right, that like yeah. if they did not, if they were not able to get Bogut at the very end of the regular season, they might be in trouble for this finals run. I agree. Because yeah, like he's a guy that just gets the system. It's almost like nothing is really different, you know? I mean, obviously there's a lot different, but at the end of the day, they have the four All-Stars that they need to win the title. Right. Um. It, yeah, but if, if Kevin Looney had to be the starting center, I, I might think differently. Right, and this might be a little blessing too. Draymond Green can step back up to the plate and hopefully perform like he like this Warrior team is a lot more used to. Um, seeing as he's kind of had a little regression this year, so maybe he can step back up to the plate and be the Draymond Green of the last two years here. Um, but yeah, I mean, Andrew Bogut, let's see what he's got. But I don't think he's going to be able to handle the workload that DeMarcus Cousins is leaving. So they're definitely going to have to shift a lot between Jordan Bell, Kevin Looney, and and Bogut and, and maybe play a lot more Draymond at the five and bring Andre Iguodala a lot more off the bench. Yeah, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that Lou and Montrez screen pick and roll action, though. Now that who's going to guard Montrez? You know, like DeMarcus Cousins easily could. Mm-hmm. I don't think Bogut's fast enough. I don't think Looney's talented enough. 
I like I think that's going to continue to be the Clippers bread and butter to try to claw some more wins out of this series. Yeah. So I said this game was going to be a this series was going to be a sweep. Clearly not. <laughs> so I'm already <laughs> wrong there. But I'm still going to I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with five games here. I, Bro. I think the games are going to be closer, but give us a home game. Man. I don't know. I don't think the Clippers can take take another one. I'm going five games here. All right, I'm sticking with six. All right, so let's go. Let's do it. Let's go. Nuggets Spurs series tied. I mean, the Spurs handedly beat the Nuggets in Game One and looked like the same story in Game Two. And what do you know? The Nuggets come back from down 18 for a playoff franchise record comeback. Not quite the Clippers level, but satisfied enough for not for a franchise record for the Nuggets here. And who came to the rescue? Jamal Murray, who started 0 for 8 and went 8 for 23 in the first game. He went 8 for 9 in the fourth quarter of game two for, for a total of 21 points. And his sidekick, Gary Harris, 10 for 16 for 23 points here, including a key three to cut the lead to single digits. And the Nuggets take that win to make this a series 1-1. Yeah, this was a game they desperately needed to because if they go down 2-0 and those were their two home games yeah. to start the series, this the series is over. The Spurs basically pull off the upset then and there. Mm-hmm. And it's looking like this, I mean, the, the storyline would just be, yeah, this Nuggets team has no playoff experience. They weren't ready for the moment. Greg Popovich is amazing, blah, blah, blah. But, man, my... I. Uh, the my favorite note from this game was Mike Malone saying once he called timeout while they're down by that much in the third quarter, he reminded them that the Clippers just beat the Warriors when they're down 31. So if you're going to hang your head and think this game's already over, you're wrong. And that seems to at least struck a chord. Um, not sure how much of that was the reason, <laughs> but I think it was at least part of the reason that, that the Clippers comeback actually fueled the Nuggets comeback too. Right. And which is pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, it is awesome. Um, I'm not quite, this is obviously not quite as, and it sucks for the Nuggets that they're kind of having like, oh, you're, that, that's a cool comeback, but it's not quite as impressive. <laughs> it's um, not, but still, but, I mean, they ended up winning this game by what, what, nine points? Yeah, and I mean, the Spurs didn't, the Spurs would, I wouldn't say they collapsed the way the Warriors did. I mean, DeMar DeRozan <laughs> still had a great game himself, 30 points, and Marcus Aldridge still shot like close to 50% from the field. I mean, the Spurs in general didn't shoot well from three in game two, five for 18, but it wasn't that mm. bad of a, of a game for them. It was really more the Nuggets have just been playing so subpar, I think, and Gary Harris, yeah. Jamal Murray, and Jokic just finally got it going here in the second half of this game, too. And, I mean, they're a deep team. They're deeper than the Spurs. So, ultimately, I think they're a deeper team, and I think they should be able to win this series. I think they're, we're finally really seeing the the Nuggets emerge, a team that, that should um, stand more proudly for being the second seed and not just kind of being a team that falls into the narrative of being young and not ready for the playoffs. Right, yeah, and I, I wonder if like this moment right here, them coming back from this victory, is gonna be the moment that we remember as when the Nuggets grew up. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it'll, yeah, because it'll be inter- it'll just be interesting to see how the rest of this series goes now. Because I mean, they're gonna have to do two games in San Antonio now. Right, uh, it's gonna be their first experience with a road playoff game. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see how they respond to that after having the confidence. Uh, coming off of this victory here is going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah. This this series, I think, is going to go seven games. I'm still picking the Spurs for experience, but the Nuggets made it so that it's going to go to seven instead of, like, five. Right. I, I think I want – I don't quite remember, but I think I said six games, right, for these guys? I, you said Nuggets and six. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah and I still uh-huh. – I'm still going to hold on to that. Like, I – like they won today, sure, and I do still think it's a turning point for this team, but I but it's still not gonna be easy against this Spurs. I think Greg Popovich is gonna give this team a furious speech and I think they're gonna come back strong and it's gonna be yeah. a couple of dirty games. Um, but I think the Nuggets <laughs> ultimately prevail in six games and close the series out in San Antonio. In my opinion, if that were to happen, I feel like they would have to win three games in a row because I do not see them beating the Spurs at home in this first game and in, in game three in their first road playoff game. I don't see that happening. Not with the way they played at home. Yeah. It's going to be tough. Like they would have to win three in a row. I, I just, I just can't see it. 
I don't know what the order is going to be like. I want to say that they lose game three and they do win the three in a row. That's what I'm leaning Man, towards. That but would that's be tough. That would be very impressive. I, I'll I'll say that much. I just I just <laughs> think like we have this right here. This fourth quarter performance is who the Nuggets are like a like a scoring Jamal Murray, a really the shot sharpshooter that is Gary Harris, and they haven't really gotten Will Barton going. He even despite this win, he has not had a good first two games. Yeah, he has not looked good at all. And the, I remember uh, seeing that he was actually getting booze from the crowd. Yeah. Which which sucks. It's like, dude, this man hasn't even played in the playoffs before. He's a young guy. It's like, come on, give him a break, man. <laughs> like, you're the home crowd. You're booing your own guys. Like, they need, they need team spirit not to be put down. Right. I mean, yeah, it does kind of suck. I mean, but Will Barton's your guy. He's going to be there for another three years. So, come on. Come on, Denver yeah. crowd. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so also lost in uh, all the storylines of this series is unfortunately Isaiah Thomas hasn't played a single minute yet. Oh, what was my bet that he was going to play ten minutes? Right? Yeah, you said you said he'd play over ten minutes a game. Oh right, I said he'd average yeah. ten minutes. Oh, not looking very good yeah. there. Not yeah, I don't think he's going to see any playing time at all this, at this point. Well, the series is not over yet, and if they hit another game where this just dry spell from the floor, I gotta think that Mike Malone's going to throw him out there for at least a Maybe. couple minutes just to get something from the field. I I think he's going to not play at all, man. It's really sad. But this is what it's looking like to me. I, I appreciate you holding out hope for our boy Isaiah, but it's just not meant to be. I think there's got to be a moment there. Uh, we'll see, though. Let's move on to Blazers and Thunder because this is another fun one right here. This is yeah. <laughs> this is a lot funner than I thought it was going to be. So the Blazers lead this series 2-0, and Portland, get this, is fourteen and, has a 14-0 playoff series record when they lead a series 2-0. They've never lost That's a playoff good. series. When they're losing losing two and zero in franchise history, so <laughs> I mean, I bet that's a lot of teams though. Like going up two zero is like you win almost all the time. I feel right, but have they done it fourteen times and have been undefeated like Portland here? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. It's still impressive. I'm just saying. Yeah, but Damian two zero is a pretty good lead. <laughs> yeah, it is, and this is against a team that I mean, OKC is stellar defense, maybe not quite the best offense, but Portland. Same thing. They're like a middle of the ground, def- middle of the pack, like good defense, good offense, but not top 10. Uh, but yeah, they're just solid. Yeah, but they're holding on and Damian Leonard and CJ McCollin just absolutely lighting it up, combining for 45% from three of the last two games. And they made four threes in game two than the entire OKC team, seven oh, versus no. five <laughs> from OKC. <laughs> you got Dam- Damian Leonard averaging 29.29.5 points through the first two games, and CJ McCollum right behind them with 28 and a half points there. Wow. Yeah, this this is pretty incredible. And all those uh, fears we talked about of CJ McCollum not being ready for the playoffs because he just came back from injury at the end of the regular season. Well, I guess we can just ignore everything we said in those ones because he looks ready, man. Yeah. Like, this whole Blazers team is out for blood. This is a revenge tour <laughs> for them after getting swept last year. Mm-hmm. They did not forget a single moment of that sweep to New Orleans last year, and they are playing with something to prove against a team that a lot of people thought was going to be beating the Blazers in this series. Mm-hmm. Now it's looking like there's almost no chance of the Thunder coming back based off the stat that they're 14-0. and Right, going into a 2-0 lead. Yeah, it looks like it totally looked like the Blazers were the underdog here, but now it looks like the other way around. And even it's crazy to think that like if you were to rank the best point guards in this series, you would go Damian Leonard, CJ McCollum, maybe maybe <laughs> Seth Curry, and then, <laughs> and then you go Russell Westbrook. <laughs> oh no, the disrespect. <laughs> Possibly, but he is not playing well, man. I mean, he's one for ten from three. I don't know why they keep shooting threes. Like he had a whole regular season to figure out that he is not good at shooting threes. Ben Simmons knows that he can't shoot threes. He doesn't shoot them. Right. Why doesn't Russell Westbrook do the same thing? Yeah, this team has been bad. Notoriously, like, yeah, Westbrook going one for ten, like you mentioned, all series. Then you got Jeremiah Grant and Dennis Schroeder going combined zero for 16 from three the last two games. Just a brick show right now. 
Yeah, and mentioning Dennis Schroeder there, I mean, this is a guy who they brought in to be that sixth man, that Lou Williams type, if you will, Mm -hmm. off the bench for them. And he has provided very little up to this point. Only 7 of 22 shooting through two games. 0 of 8 from 3, like you mentioned before, and averaging 9 points a game. That is about as below average as you can get. Right, you would think he's a better player than Seth Curry, Maurice Harkless. <laughs> um, and he's getting outplayed. I mean, and that's the story here for Portland is not only the two point guards, but just getting a little bit here and there from everybody. And his cancer, Maurice Harkless, Seth Curry, like everybody's just contributing as much as they, the little bit that they can to to keep this to keep this momentum going and and close this playoff series. Yeah, I mean, Ennis Cantor, you mentioned that huge game one game. I don't think anyone expected that one. 20 points, 18 rebounds for this man <laughs> against his stash bro, Steven Adams. Strongest too. man in the NBA. Strongest man in the NBA. Got nothing against the Turkish delight. Yeah, and it was so funny. Like, uh, Ennis Ka- Steven Adams was asked a question in uh, the shoot around before game two if he had any free time to hang out with Ennis Cantor. And he said, yeah, there's time, but I don't want to. Oh, man. There's some animosity (laughs) there, man. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think that's just good competition. I doubt he has anything against Ennis Cantor, but yeah, they're they're enemies right now. Yeah. Yeah, It's weird. It'd be weird to hang out with someone that you're playing against Mm -hmm. mid-series, you know, even if you are friends. You can talk afterwards. Right. But that game, too, Damian Leonard just hit some incredible shots, and it's pretty bad when... When you're OKC, I guess, like, you got to give Westbrook a rest. Dennis Schroeder's doing terrible, so you got to go to your yeah. next best option, which is Raymond, <laughs> Raymond Felton. Felton. Oh, yeah. God. Like, Damian Leonard just danced on Raymond Felton, hit the crazy oh, three gosh. at the top of the three-point line. Oh, uh, that... <laughs> <laughs> Raymond Felton was practically begging to go back on the bench he's like this is embarrassing me man stop please yeah but so portland's going two and oh is two and oh right now sean so where are you at with the rest of this series uh i got i got a i got a reverse ship on this one i i I stood firm on my first three or on my first two here but i had the thunder winning this one the blazers have to win this at this point there's just no way with the way that Paul George, he seems a little uh, not. He doesn't seem right with that shoulder still. Right. And Russell Westbrook just not playing. Like <laughs> I am so surprised these guys are not playing up to playoff speed. Like they have a lot of proof too this year. The Blazers might win this in five games. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, is it possible that we're looking at a five-game playoff series here? Which is, I think, it, what I uh, had. I had the Thunder winning in five games. And but now we've got to reverse courts here and just completely switch it to the Blazer side. Yeah. This is crazy. I did not expect this at all. Yeah. So what do you have? But, the final? I mean, I'm 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 stoked though. As as which one is the final? Yeah. What do you have as your final number here? Yeah. Four one Blazers. Four one Blazers. Yeah. I want to go six games, man. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe I'm doubting OKC this much. But I mean, Westbrook looks like he's got an injured shoulder out there right now. Like the I way know. he's shooting, it's, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty absurd. I I gotta go five, and I'm not sad about it though because <laughs> Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are playing so well. You know, like they're playing this good. You can't like I'm just excited to see him play in the next round already. <laughs> yeah, I'm going five games. I'm with you. I think OKC wins one home game, but it looks mm-hmm. like Portland's gonna win a nasty one in Game Four, and then just put it away in a Game Five back at Portland. Yep. Yeah. Got to go with the odds here. Yeah. So let's go to another one where the odds did not go in my favor or like <laughs> I, maybe I, I just am blinded by my fanboy sometime. My fanboyishism <laughs> of myself. Um, I thought the Jazz, the Jazz were going to put up a better fight, but here we are. Rockets leading 2-0, and oh, mm. basically beating this team by how much? 15 points each one of these games? It was even more. It was even more in game two tonight. Yeah. So should we say an average of fifteen points, maybe twenty points? Yeah, it's bad. So I mean, oh, I mean more than that. Really, I mean if you remember in game one, it was one twenty-two to ninety. Oh right. Yeah, and then and then tonight, what was the score in that one? It was one eighteen. Okay, so an average of thirty <laughs> po- twenty twenty-five points. <laughs> Good God. Twenty-five point average. Oh. Yeah, this is looking ugly. The Jazz have not scored over 100 in both games. And the Rockets just are... They got something to prove, too. Right. So, they're they're playing with just all... Like, 
everything's going their way. All the momentum's on their side. Yeah, and this is a team who's their top three reserves right now, coming off the bench, weren't even on this team until like December. <laughs> We're talking about Austin Rivers. How do you pronounce it? Daniel ha- Daniel House. Yeah, Daniel House Jr. and Kenneth Fareed. I mean, these dudes weren't even getting playing time in their other on their other teams, like Right. Yeah, Kenneth Fareed was a buyout. <laughs> Austin Rivers was a buyout. I think Daniel House Jr.'s a rookie. <laughs> Maybe. I don't even know. Yeah. But yeah, these guys are all I mean, Austin Rivers is whatever, but the other two are playing pretty great. Yeah. Honestly. Like this is a team where you thought they would not be able to recover from losing Mabamute and Trevor Ariza in the same offseason. And they look as strong as ever, honestly. Like this team is is a potential warrior beater. Yeah, and it just it's just sad. I had to stop watching this game when you had Grayson Allen trying to guard Chris Paul like <laughs> oh, not gonna no. happen, man. And Chris and then Grayson Allen just shooting some threes that were just so either far right or far left, just no shot of going in. Um, yeah. It was bad. And I mean, so Utah Jazz go into this game, of course, as the number one defensive team in the league. Um, the Houston Rockets as the number two offensive team in the league. And it looks like offense is beating the defense here. Utah trying to figure out ways to stop Harden. And they might have done fairly well in game one. They held them to 11 for 26. Where everybody else just lifted up the Jazz. <laughs> I mean, Rockets went 15 for 41 from three. And Capella and Fareed combined for 27 points. On 12 of 18 shooting. I mean, where was Rudy Gobert here? Where was Derek Favors here protecting the paint? And where are the out, where's the outside defense? Um, yeah. I mean, the problem here is, is James Harden just commands so much attention. When he starts driving, Gobert has to at least look off Capella. Mm-hmm. Because if he doesn't, Harden could easily just get a layup. Right. And Harden knows this. And he's so good at that split-second reaction of, is he going to go on me or do I lob this up to Capella? It's almost like time stops and he knows exactly what decision to make because it seems like he always makes the right decision in that situation. Right, and if it's not James Harden, then it's Chris Paul. And and mm-hmm. everybody's just, they're knocking down their shots. No game seven from last year performance so far in this playoff <laughs> so series. Far, yeah. <laughs> and, on the, and Eric Gordon's playing well for them too. Right, it looks like everybody's just firing on all cylinders and the Utah offense is completely just non-existent. I mean, the big role players, the big shooters on this team, Jay Crowder, Seth Felosha, Royce O'Neal have combined to shoot two of 13 <laughs> from three. Uh, just Woof. bricks and game two, 21 from the whole team, 21% from three, eight for 38. 39% from the field and the main offensive holder and Donovan Mitchell going five for 19. I mean, there's just so much pressure on Donovan Mitchell to create for this team um, and to score the ball. It's, it's just not an easy job for a second year guy. I think, I think last year he kind of maybe had a little bit of beginner's luck or he kind of had the ability, yeah. uh, the benefit that teams were so naive to his ability, but not this year. Everybody's just so much well-prepared for this Utah offense. Yeah, which, I mean, it doesn't seem like there's a lot right. to it at this point. Yeah, and it's easy to game plan for. Now that you have seen a full year of Don- two, full two years, really, of Donovan Mitchell's game, way easier to game plan for. And it it probably is as simple as stop Donovan Mitchell, win the game. Right. You know? And that seems to be the formula so far. Yeah, I mean, you got Joe Ingles and Ricky Rubio putting points on the board as well, but they're so much, they're so much better as facilitators and actual scorers, like... They, they're just not capable of putting up the 30-point performances or really putting the pressure on the Houston offense, Houston defense to try to steal a game here, clearly. I mean, these deficits have been big, and it's a lot of it is just because this Houston team is shooting the lights out and the Utah offense has just been trash, really, to say the I least. I know. I'm, I'm really disappointed, man. I thought this was going to be a fun series to watch. But so far, it's just been it's been like watching them play against like the Hawks or something. Right. Like the Hawks could put up as many points as the Jazz did in these games. It's just I, I just don't even know if Utah like is in that playoff mode. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't seem like they're in it. You know, it just seems like they're almost accepting that they're outmatched by the Rockets instead of fight. Like they really have nothing to lose because they were very extreme underdogs in this series. Like like the Clippers, you know. Mm-hmm. Like like the Brooklyn Nets who we'll get into. Like the freaking Orlando Magic <laughs> we'll get into later. But, like, when you have the odds against you, like, you got to play loose. And this team just does not look loose, does not look like they're very comfortable in any situation out there. Right. Yeah, let's at least get some guys fouling out. Come on, man. 
Go yeah, down with the like, bike. Show some effort. Yeah. I know. Yeah, make, for real. Like, make this a, like, I really, <laughs> I pictured this series being a grind fest. That's what I visualized it. Just Rudy yeah. Gobert constantly hanging around four fouls, five fouls, Clint Capella, five fouls. Like, and it just really hasn't been that way at all. Yeah. I wonder if the Jazz's just absurdly easy schedule down the stretch made them forget what it's like to play actual teams. It's very, it's possible. <laughs> you know, it's like, because they had like a stretch of like a month straight of just playing like lackluster, mediocre teams. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, here's the Rockets. Like, they just aren't ready, it seems. Yeah. They need to just maybe watch them, some of those playoff series that the Memphis Grizzlies had. Get some inspiration from that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And I have to believe Quinn Snyder is going to come up with something because he's way too good of a coach. He's proven himself way too many times to just roll over and die at this point. Yeah, and I mean, they're going back home, so I got to think there's one more win at least in there. So I'm still going. I mean, obviously... You're going Rockets in five I'm now? I'm going Rockets in five, yeah. Ooh, yeah, I, I agree. I'll give Utah one, even though... Two back-to-back twenty-plus point losses is not does not tell me that they have a chance to win a game. Yeah, but um, I mean miracles can happen. Yeah. So yeah, I mean twenty-point losses happen in the playoff all the time. Back-to-back, that's a lot to come back from. But let's go to the Eastern Conference. So Bucks Pistons, no surprise here. Bucks lead two and zero without Blake <laughs> Griffin here. Uh, I mean, what is there to talk about this game? I mean, other than Giannis there- looks like a freaking <laughs> video game, and he's. He's, he's the MVP, man. He's and he's here to take the league over. Yeah, I mean Giannis just looks ready, man. Like this is his playoffs right now. Like he 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 had a pretty decent playoffs last year, but this year he is the MVP front runner and he looks unstoppable. I I'm so ready to watch this man actually go up against an actual team in the playoffs. Right. This is this is a warm up for him. I mean no Blake Griffin. They're starting Thon Maker, <laughs> and Thon Maker. If you haven't noticed, which you might not have, because <laughs> no one's really watching these boring games, is that he looks absolutely terrible. Like this is probably the worst substitute you could put in for Blake Griffin right now. He's averaging, or he's four of nineteen from the field so far in this series, and five points a game, and he keeps shooting threes for some reason. I think he's zero of eight from three. <laughs> For, for over these two games and I, like his shot looks terrible i don't understand what his deal is or what he's trying to prove but man it's the playoffs you have to play to your strengths and your strengths is to not shoot it and to just go and be a big body out there i mean they've been down what 15 most of the most of these games more more yeah, yeah. so i mean you gotta go i guess you kind of can kind of use that as practice Pass time. it to Wayne Ellington, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just practice your passing ability, man. You're never going to be a three-point shooter. You never know, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I just... I mean, you're right. It's just... I guess you go down swinging... I'm not sure. It's just sad, man. Like, this should have been Miami Heat's playoff spot. Like, this is pathetic. <laughs> this is so sad. Like, the Pistons should not be in the playoffs. Dwayne Wade should be in the playoffs right now. I'm so upset. Or Kemba Walker even, man. Right. Like, you'd at least get to see some star power out there. But this Pistons team is rolling with, like, freaking Luke Kennard in the starting lineup now and Thon Maker. <laughs> I just I can't handle it, man. It's just so it's so disappointing that the Heat didn't make it. Right, it's bad. I don't think they've gotten a a non NBA TV game yet, right? Both <laughs> yeah, games are you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> like neither of these games have been on ESPN or TNT or ABC. Yeah, yeah. like they've all yeah, it's all been on NBA <laughs> TV. Like they got the oh, they, that's so yeah, true. they got the B level commentators on their games. Yeah, <laughs> all right, I'm not even gonna ask you if you think this is gonna go to a sweep. Is are the Pistons gonna get? With it, are they gonna be able to lose by single digits in this series? <laughs> I don't know. Probably not. I think this series <laughs> is over. Not. I don't even. The question oh, is. Oh, it's for sure over. Yeah. Like, can they even sell eighty percent of their tickets back in Detroit? <laughs> yeah, that's not like. This is what constitutes like a regular season game. 
you know yeah it's like come watch andre drummond get beat up by the bucks <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what all this series is yeah let's just get this one over with it's a sweep i don't really have much else to say about it yeah let's 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 move on there, there we got some good ones here though yeah raptors magic wow what the wow. heck <laughs> <laughs> what the heck man what a what a win from game one from dj who knew dj augustine DJ augustine to the rescue <laughs> 25 points, 6 assists, and a clutch basket to steal game one. I mean, granted, he had some help from from zero-point performance from Kyle Lowry, but... Yeah. I mean, wow. But, like, Kawhi had a good game. Siakam had a good game. The Raptors as a whole, I mean, they just looked pretty, like you know average yeah. honestly like it was just a very average the magic were able to make them a very a, a, this game really a very average game i mean the final score 104 to 101 mm-hmm. i mean you're really not seeing many spectacular efforts on either side <laughs> except from dj <laughs> augustine yeah <laughs> uh, that was jaw dropping i did not think the magic would it would be like the bucks pistons i didn't think they'd even come within 10 points of beating the raptors but after that game one, that was a wake-up call for this Raptors team, I think. But, yeah. I mean, all those fears were kind of put to rest in game two. <laughs> the Raptors blew them out 111-82. to Yeah, that's more like it. That's more, that's more that's like it. That's more realistic. I mean, it, yeah, and I, I'm just super impressed that the Magic were able to get a win here. Yeah. You know, they. I, I predict that this would be a sweep for sure. I think I, I said five games, so I'm glad. You said five. I did and say you, five. You're looking right. Looking, yeah. <laughs> I kind of... I don't want to say I predicted this or something, but I had a feeling that the Raptors were going to come out flat a little bit. I feel like they also had a pretty easy schedule to close the se- close the season. Yeah, and Kawhi Leonard hasn't just hasn't been there all year. But I think we're finally Kawhi Leonard. I think is waking up from hibernation. Kyle oh, Lowry, man. I think, <laughs> got a couple scoldings from teammates and. I think they're ready <laughs> to just me, the media. Yeah, like man. let's be let's let's be a team now, an NBA team, an NBA team that finished second in the Eastern Conference. Like, yeah, let's get this done. Um, yeah, I mean Kawhi Leonard just went off in that second game. He, I, I'm really excited to see what Kawhi looks like the rest of this playoffs mm-hmm. now because he's he's awoken. Right. You know, he, that 37 point performance was just. He went nuclear, right? Man. Fifteen for twenty-two, like that's that's a that's <sighs> what we expect from a former MVP candidate, right there. Like, yeah, and Vucevic and Aaron Gordon, like they had their game one, and DJ Augustine had the game of his <laughs> career. Yeah, that that just everything went right for the Magic in that game. Yeah, yeah, the turnovers that we saw in game two from from these guys, like that is the Orlando Magic we knew, but still, like. I'll give them some something to walk away with. Like for them to get that win, I think has to be a confidence booster for some of these young guys. And hopefully they carry that with them next year. Cause some of these dudes are there. They're there for a while outside of yeah, Vucevic. Aaron Gordon's certainly there. Yeah. yeah does it, is this enough to convince Vucevic to stay? I don't think so. <laughs> if Ooh, anything, see, that's rough. <laughs> if anything, it's, it's pushing him away even more now that he tasted what? one win. I think he's like, I, I, I gotta get out of here, go to a better team. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> not running it back. No, we'll- even though even though they got a win on the Raptors, oh, we'll see how the rest of the series go. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it got back to two two, but I'm get still giving it like a ninety percent chance of going four one. Yeah, there's no way there's another win here. I'm going five games still. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, the Magic Stadium. They're at home. They're at that's home. not an arena known for its uh, <laughs> for its fans and its yeah, you're right. and its home court advantage. After that game two, after that game two blowout, man, I I can't think the Raptors are even going to give this team an inch. Right? Yeah, you got to close this game out of this series out, like, and close it out hard. You got to build that confidence up and. Because yeah. that game one gotta performance was those, bad. <laughs> gotta give Kawhi those rest days. Right. So let's go on to Sixers Nets. Another blown game another one. Interesting series. Wow. And you know what? I I I I said that the Magic could win one game, but I felt like that was more trolling rather than actual belief. <laughs> but I did believe yeah. the Nets were able to steal one. I didn't think it was going to be game one. I thought maybe it was going <laughs> to wait until home, but that game one was. Not good on the for the 76ers side, but luckily they came back and got some redemption in game two. But 
I mean, I guess we kind of talked about it a little bit that we saw Joel Embiid having a slow start to the series, and he did in game one. Mm-hmm. Um, seemed like he was still bothered a bit, but, I mean, game two was Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, and Jimmy Butler really sealing the deal. Hey, don't forget Bobin, Oh, dude. Bobin. Bobin had – Bobin actually had the most shot attempts on the team in game two. Really? Yeah, you didn't see that. I didn't see dude, that. Dude, he, dude. So yeah, what happened when Embiid went out early in the first? Probably because his knee was bothering him. Honestly, Bobin came in and he immediately made four baskets in a row. <laughs> it was it was awesome. He was making mid range jumpers. They were leaving it. They were sagging off of him while he was like at like on the free floor line area, and he was just draining jumpers. And the crowd was just losing it. And um, they had a shot of Dikembe Mutombo and Allen Iverson just, like, freaking out about it. They're like, look at this guy. He's killing it. <laughs> it, was so, it was so great. It made me so happy that Bobin was such a difference maker in this game. I mean, a mid-range jumper for Bobin has to just be, like, a beer punk shot. Like, it just... That's crazy, <laughs> <Yeah>. man. <laughs> Dude, it was it was pretty, man. You know, maybe he practices with, with beer pong on the side, but... <laughs> It was it was a pretty jump shot, but I mean the big story here is that the Nets seem like they have a good formula for playing the 76ers team despite I mean despite the fact that they completely fell apart in that third quarter. Mm-hmm. Other than that, like this has been a very close series. Sure. Um the Nets basically were leading from start to finish in that first game. Yeah. D'Angelo Russell answered the call, man. Like he was ready to play. Caris LeVert looked like he did pre-injury. Spencer Dinwiddie looked like he was pre-injury. And they all took a step back in game two. Mm-hmm. And I think Ben Simmons was playing a little more with a chip on his shoulder. But it's going to be interesting to see like how they continue to respond now that they're going back to Brooklyn. How they continue to respond to this defense where they're just sagging off Ben Simmons. And Embiid only seems like he's able to play 23 minutes a game. Yeah, and this is the X factor here. Um I mean, I the Nets are obviously not shining away from the moment here, and Caris LeVert looks better and better. So, dare I say, I think I'm going to say six games. I'm going to back away from my five-game claim, and maybe mm. the Nets can possibly steal one at home, maybe take one more in Philadelphia, and push this to six games. Wow. So, you, you think the Nets will win the series? No. I, oh, well, we're going back to Brooklyn, right? Yeah. yeah, we're going back to Brooklyn now. I think they take one there. Maybe they can... W- if, if they took one in Philly, they'd be going to seven games at least. Well, they're going back to Brooklyn now, right? Yeah, but I'm saying they'd have to... Like, if they take one more in Philly, that like, the only one before that was game five. Right, so I, I think they can win yeah. a game five. I think they can win a game three or four and then win game five. And then, mm. clo- and then Philly closes it in Brooklyn game six. No, nah, dude. They'd have to. Oh. <laughs> they'd have to go to a game seven. <laughs> really? Um, am yeah. I thinking about this wrong? Well, if they take one, if they take one in Brooklyn and they take game five, which is in Philadelphia, they have three wins, and they're up. They're up three two in the series at that point. Mm. True. So, in that, if that's the logic, you're saying that the Sixers might need seven games. Oh, to win to pull it off. Yeah. Well, oh, I guess. Well, I guess what I mean is, I think the Seventy Sixers can win this in six games. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I I honestly am worried about the 76ers because they're such a different team when Joel Embiid doesn't play, even though they have three other basically all-stars on their team. Yeah. And Bobin, who's awesome. Embiid mm-hmm. is just so important. I mean, he he hasn't even gotten over 23 minutes a game in this series, and he's gotten over 20 and 10 in both. Yeah. So it's like when he he's so efficient in so little amount of time, it's absolutely absurd. <laughs> if this guy was fully healthy, this like they would be a title contender, and that's what I was basing. That's what I based my prediction on for them at the start. Like I think this team could make the finals, but if MP is not healthy, they they're nowhere near that team. Yeah, I agree. And I was thinking that to say, well, yeah, me and you had a discussion about that. We were like, well, if there's one team who's kind of like hidden out there that nobody's talking about. It's got to be the 76ers to win the mm-hmm. East. Um, and looked like they had a good shot making that move with Tobias Harris. But without Joel Embiid, you're right. Like, there's there's no chance, man. Not without the I best know. player on your team. Um, so, hopefully he gets things going. And let's see what things what happens in Brooklyn here as the crowd will get their mm-hmm. first. Is it this? Oh, this isn't their first playoff series. But um, first playoff series in, in quite a while here. 
Yeah, I mean, for yeah, first one since uh, 2015, I believe. Yeah, so when they was that when they still had like Kevin Garnett and stuff, or had he retired already? I think they still had the old dogs there. Yeah, I think he still had Jason yeah, Paul Terry. Pierce. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, and then man, yeah, that was or a weird Brooke team. Lopez and oh man, Chris Humphreys on that team yeah, still. That's too? right. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, let's go to the uh, last one here: <laughs> Celtics Pacers. This is the one I've been paying the least attention to. Um, but that Pacer game right here to close right now, game two was like, was a close one. Yeah, I mean, both games have been close and actually favoring the Pacers, honestly, for a majority or at least half of the game. The Pacers seem like they have a great game plan coming out of the gates. Um, in game one, they were up seven at halftime and they followed that up with an eight point third quarter. <sighs> To just basically remove themselves having any chance of winning that game. They ended up scoring 74 points total in game one. Uh, You can credit the Celtics defense a lot with that, but this Pacers team just cannot find ways to score when the pressure's on. I mean, you see the same thing in game two. They they were up 11 points after three quarters. Um, They were looking really good. Uh, Everything was going really smooth for them, and then they followed that up with a 12-point fourth quarter well, Kyrie and Jason Tatum and company are torching them for 31 to just steal that game, which really should have been the Pacers. I mean, they were all they were in it for most of that game. And then just in the final seconds, just huge mental errors. Wesley, Mat- they're out there down three points. Wesley Matthews throws the ball to the other side of the court on a miscommunication with Bojan Bogdanovic, just throws it to the other court side and it's out of bounds. Um, on the next play, they proceed to foul Jason Tatum as he goes up for a dunk, <laughs> and he gets an and one. Oh. And now they're down six, and they don't even get a shot off. They turn the ball over as Miles Turner tries to pass it to Wesley Matthews, who bobbles it, and then it just rolls out of bounds. Oh, man. So it's all these opportunities at the end, this team, it just proves that without Odalipo, this team has no shot at winning anything in the playoffs because they have no one to go to when it comes down to it. Yeah, there's... Yeah, and this was um, the weak spot that we all saw with this team, but I wanted to believe that Boyan Bodanovic was the man. Like he was here to prove something, and maybe Miles Turner was going to help him out in the rest of the Pacers, which they have. I mean, like you said, they're, they've been fighting most of these games, but it's those closing minutes, and the Celtics on the other end, of course, have one of the best closers in the game right now, <laughs> Kyrie Irving. So, Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know if you were able to catch any of the highlights of this game, but Kyrie just came alive in the fourth quarter. He was unstoppable. He was just draining contested threes, just get doing whatever he wanted. Right, and then you have boneheaded plays like this. <laughs> yeah, like, three in a row. Like that just does not help. Your dad doesn't do you any favors. And oh, I really wanted this Pacer team to steal a couple games here. They had a chance in both games, man, and just – Totally blew it. But they're going back to Indiana now, so... I got to think that they, they do have a chance to win both those games. I think th- I think so, too. I think so, too. Like, the home crowd will help a lot with what it seems to be, like, a lot of nerves with these guys that aren't... They aren't really closers at all, mm-hmm. you know? Like, they don't have a Lou Williams or a Steph Curry or really a Kyrie Irving, honestly. Like, they don't have a guy that they can go to. It's up to Nate McMillan to just figure out just a good play in general. Yeah. You know? I think I had this. Did I have, I think I had this going to six games originally or was it? F- I think I did too. Yeah. And it's still on pace for that. Like they could easily take their two at home and Celtics win the next two. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know, man, this, it, it's just, I think a matter of time for the Celtics to win this. I don't think the Pacers have any chance really to win this series. Maybe they would, if they had stolen one of these home games, mm-hmm. but their offense just does not look good at all. Yeah, well, let's see how they respond to these errors. I mean, I'm sure the spirit is broken a little bit, but you're going back home, so that's going to help you out there. So I, I'm going to go there. I'm going to take a bold one and say Pacers win the next two, and the and the Celtics just close it out with two games in a row as well. So six games, mm-hmm. Celtics for rest of the yeah. series. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. So now that we're we're looking at, I mean, I think. You're still, we're still not seeing really any upsets in this first round outside of maybe the Spurs. Yeah, that still has a possibility. Obviously, the one I was going with was the Utah one. That one's out the window. There's no <laughs> chance. Yeah, there's no chance. That looks man. terrible. 
They didn't even give you a tiny flicker of hope. Yeah, but moving forward, I don't see any upset. Are you still hanging on with? Are you? You think I'm still hanging on to the Spurs? Still hanging on with the Spurs? Yeah, and you, yeah, you could hang on to the Nuggets still. Oh yeah, Is that, I'm still hanging. So on. you don't think? It, okay. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think the Spurs take it. And honestly, I think it's an upset if the Clippers get two games, so I'm still going with that. <laughs> no win from the Clippers, but we'll see. We'll see about that. But final thought to close the podcast up. How about a shout-out to DeMarcus Cousins? You know, the man played his first playoff game. But uh, he's entering a new chapter now with this new quad injury here. He'll probably most likely miss mm. most of the playoff series. But it's pretty fitting that he in, recently in an interview for the undefeated um, Boogie Cousins went into he, that he no longer wants to be referred to as Boogie Cousins. He's quoted mm. as saying, "It's like Jesus Christ. It's so much extra put on with the Boogie. I don't want to be Boogie. <laughs> I just want to be Demarcus." Well, Demarcus, we're all we're all cheering you on. We're all we're, we all got your back, and we all hope the best for you. So hopefully, he gets through this quad injury, and it might have just been a blessing in disguise for the Warriors because they could potentially bring this man back on the cheap again. Oh man, that would be interesting. Yeah, and also I would hate it. But yeah, I hope he heals. I mean, I've never been like a huge Demarcus Cousins fan or anything, but I feel bad for the guy. Yeah, let's just get this guy to a second playoff game. But seriously, we'll see what happens. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in, and we'll continue breaking down the NBA playoffs as they happen. And by next by next episode, maybe we'll be looking at the second round matchups already for some. We'll see. Let's go Clippers. (laughs) Have a good week, everybody.